They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Welcome back to Shooting the Shit with Chippa, everybody. Um, this is a really cool episode because um, I'm getting to talk to someone that I've never met. That's been happening a lot more to me lately, and um, I enjoy it. Uh, so um, before I get to introducing um, who I have on the show tonight, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, I have tiers on my Patreon now, so for those of you that are in the $1 tier, you'll get to listen to this episode and everything else three days early. Uh, for those in the $5 tier, um, you'll get those same benefits, plus you'll get to pick a topic for an episode of the Creating Geeks podcast, and you'll get to unlock Chip of Pays It Forward, where I donate a dollar to any podcast or any Patreon of your choice. Um, I'm enjoying that. It's only, only one person's taken advantage of it so far, but I think that could get some legs. And if you join the $15 tier, I will mention you on this show. So those people on the $15 tier right now are Mason, Christopher Finnick, my mom, Patricia Chipman, and Hugh K. Campbell Jr., who is Green Goblin on Twitter, and he was on an episode of the Talkbuster podcast. Um, now I'll open this up for an advertisement that I'm going to put in. Um, so this show is brought to you by... My name is Gebetto Funkin, One Shoe Stumble, Knackle Timber Shivers, at your service. I'm looking for some friends of mine. The Many Pennies? The Many Pennies. Them... I know we've been really busy, but I think that all we need to do is just tackle the next thing on this 24-item to-do list, and we'll be fine. Someone bring me some food. Also, my flask is empty. I need a refill. Nobody panic. I may have lost several scorpions. I said nobody panic. Check out this new skin patch on my cloak, guys. Guys? You know, I might be looking for someone else. I don't blame you. Adventure Incorporated, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition actual play adventure podcast. New episodes every Monday. Find us at adventureinkpod.com. And now I'm going to introduce Ryan Wharton. Um, Ryan, tell the internet about yourself, my friend. Uh, hello, my name is Ryan Wharton. Um, I am from Texas. I work in IT, and I am a follower of Chris Chipman and a colossal nerd. Yes, as am I. <laughs> Colossal nerds everywhere unite. We're, we no longer have to do this in our parents' basement. No, no, we do not. I mean, we can if we want to. But <laughs> um, it's funny. I, I was just interviewing a guy uh, last night for the Talkbuster podcast who was in Blockbuster IT and actually is still doing it. He still supports um, the last Blockbuster on the planet. Um, he he kind of went off on his own, and um, that's what he did and kept – being there for all the stores as they closed, and now he's working for the last one, which I think is fantastic. And he's also from Texas. That's awesome. Yeah, I think uh, I remember you and Sandy in your episodes, like just offhandedly mentioning the guy. Yeah, she had mentioned him, and then he contacted me separate. And I started going back and forth with the guy, not knowing who he was. He just contacted me through a, a blockbuster, um, a blockbuster Facebook page. I'd love to be on the show. And he says, oh, also, I'm the guy that does the IT for Sandy. I was like, me and Sandy were just talking about you the other day. That's awesome. Nice. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. So where, um, where do you work or what, um, what branch or side of the IT spectrum are you in? 
Uh, I work a service desk for a company called uh, Guide IT. Um, they are under uh, Ross Perot, if you've ever heard that name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just learning about this guy. Like, I've lived in this uh, city for, uh, like, 12 or so years. It's just been the last few years. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this Ross Perot guy is kind of a big deal, it turns out. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Have, yeah. Uh, so, 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 Ryan, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Uh, 27. Almost okay, so 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 not that yeah okay so I was gonna say I was really young, but aware of Ross Perot, um because they made fun of him on Saturday Night Live is is really where it came from, but man that's that's funny I didn't realize he was uh he was still a thing, yeah it's mostly just like names of uh stuff like uh the company is called like a Rossboro company and there's the Rossboro Museum in Dallas which is actually a really really cool place if you ever end up down here in Dallas. Wow. Well, that's awesome. I uh yeah, I've I've actually never been to Texas. Um my friend um Mike, Mike Ellison who was on the I guess last episode of shooting the shit that's been released cuz it just came out this past week, um, who's on the Adventure Incorporated podcast, moved to Texas and loves it. Um, I think he's in, he's either in Dallas or he's in another Texas big city. Okay. Yeah. There is like four big there's cities. One, around there's here. one that's not Dallas. So it's like the hipstery one. Um, what the fuck? I, I can't, uh, I'm not going to remember the name. There we go. Yeah, the 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 one the the one where all the hipsters are going. That's that's yeah. all I know. Yeah, they have like a T-shirt that says "Keep Austin Weird" or something. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't really know much about the neighboring cities. I mostly go to like Houston to visit my uncle and San Antonio to visit the amusement parks when we go there. What amusement parks are in San Antonio? Uh, they have they have a Six Flags. Uh, oh right! Like they, Texas. they have like they have like the six flags. Like yeah, that's that's the that's uh, the big one. Yeah, I, actually, I think the big one is here in Dallas. That is Six Flags over Texas. I think is the There's original. The one. There's the one. Um, and then they have one in San Antonio, and San Antonio also has like the Boardwalk or in the Riverwalk and the Alamo and all that stuff. We we have a Six Flags, but it it became a Six Flags. And it was the best thing that ever happened to it. It's this place called Riverside. Um, Riverside's claim to fame before uh, Six Flags took it over is that um, it, it, I think it had had a year without somebody getting um, fatally injured on one of its <laughs> rides. And then Six Flags took it over. It's where, like, it's in western Massachusetts, like, out past the Springfield area. Okay. So um, for not knowing Massachusetts, Massachusetts is... You know, for a for a northeastern state, um, long, <laughs> and so people forget that you know to get from Boston to even where the Patriots play is like a forty-five to an hour, maybe an hour and fifteen-minute long drive, because um, they play in western, like halfway out to Western Mass, and then this place is like another hour past that. You know, and then you're still not in Pennsylvania yet. You've still got yeah. further to drive. Um, it's it's just weird. We we always say there be dragons out here in that <laughs> that 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 part of the state. But um, yeah, that Six Flags it was cool because school would take us there for trips. Um, 
to Riverside, which is what it was called. And when Six Flags took it over, they, you know, completely renovated everything. They kept the Cyclone, which was the ride that kept hurting everybody. But of they, course they did. Right. They, they renovated it. They kept it nice. And then they built, you know, like 15 roller coasters. And they have Superman, which is like the one that kept winning all those awards for a Northeastern roller coaster. And I'm like, wow, this is the biggest roller coaster I've ever seen. And it's huge. And I went on it. And then I went out to Cedar Point in Ohio with my friends and looked at the prototype ride that became Superman. Mm -hmm. And it's twice as tall on its first drop. And I went, (laughs) there is no way I'm going on that. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's horrifying. I don't know if you like coasters. I, I enjoy them. That was a little bit too much for me. Oh, oh, I love them. Uh, the San Antonio one, because uh, I guess Six Flags must have some kind of deal with Warner Brothers or DC because they're just like wallpapered in DC superheroes. Yeah, I don't um, know where Six Flags got the Warner Brothers tie-in, but they did. Yeah, but the one in San Antonio, um, they have a Superman roller coaster, uh, and it is... Like one of the most expansive roller coasters I've seen. Like it's just this entire section of a park. Like the amount of space it covers looks like it would be a whole other section of any other park. And the first time I went on that, I went on it like six times because there was no one at the park that day. Yeah, and it's probably close to the same coaster because that's how I would describe the one up here. And it's the same thing, right? It was so intimidating. And I was and I hadn't really gone on any rides like that since I was younger. So my friends from Blockbuster, we all actually went out to Six Flags and they talked me into going on Superman. And it you know, we're we're going up the the at the beginning and it's on this thin track and you can see all the way down to the ground over the edge. And my buddy Jeremy is sitting next to me and he's humming the Urukai theme from lord of the rings like under his breath he's like dun 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 i'm like jeremy that's, stop it dun 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 we get to the top and he goes you know i told you i've been on this before and um, it's gonna be fine and i was like yeah he goes dude i don't go on roller coasters and i'm shitting myself right now this is gonna be great and i'm like oh no <laughs> that's amazing but it ended up being awesome it ended up being awesome yeah the uh, six flags over Texas in Dallas, uh, they don't have a Superman coaster, but they do have a Superman ride. It's one of those uh, tower ones that has like the three columns and shoots you up and drops you down. Nice. Those are awesome. Yeah, the big coaster at the Dallas one is actually a uh, Batman roller coaster. And then right next door to it is a Mr. Freeze. And that one uh, is like a normal coaster, except at the very end, it does a thing where it basically boomerangs you and you go through the coaster again except backwards oh i love those i love coasters like that those are fun i think i think there's a batman one at this one that does that too no that's the riddler they have a riddler one that does that oh the riddler you know the backwards one yes speaking of brands and theme parks because this is something i haven't thought about until recently have you ever been to Islands of Adventure at Universal in Orlando? I don't think I've ever actually been to Islands of Adventure. I think I've been to Universal in Orlando, maybe. So I was I was thinking about this the other day because Disney owns Marvel. Mm-hmm. And Universal's Islands of Adventure, outside of the Harry Potter section of it that they've added, 
is a Marvel theme park. Right. There's no there's no way around it. Like they have the Hulk ride, the Spider-Man ride. Right. You know, so how does that work now that Disney has a theme park in the same town and they own all of those characters? I don't <laughs> like, know. Universal you... seems to like be the nexus point of weird like rights because they like don't they still technically own the solo film rights to the Hulk or whatever. Yeah, they do. And that's it's like the whole Sony Spider-Man thing. It's very strange. Yeah, and they like have the rights to do the Mario movie, but it looks like Nintendo can just dish out the rights wherever because Warner Brothers made the Detective Pikachu movie. Right. Yeah, it's very strange. It's very strange. And maybe it's because the Pokemon company has some sort of yeah. ingenious, we're not really Nintendo. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, like the, Pokemon, the Pokemon company and Game Freak are like, we'll, we'll take advantage of being Nintendo when it suits us, but we're also kind of our own thing. So when, when we're standing on top of the rubble of Nintendo, God, which I hope never happens, we'll be just fine. Like that's that's the thing. It always, you know, with when Pokemon is doing incredible, you hear that it's a Nintendo brand less and less. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like it's like they pull out Nintendo when they're trying to help it. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, yeah. When they're just sticking to like the cycle that they've stuck to for the last 10, 15 years, which is release uh, two games on a handheld console, then release a third game that's kind of a special edition. Like, when they're right. on that cycle, they are more than happy to be associated with Nintendo, but whenever they do stuff that's like Pokemon Go or now apparently Pokemon uh, Sleep, yeah, it's like so the Pokemon company. <laughs> so, yeah, what's going on with that? Like, I, I saw a headline and didn't even read it. Did you Did you read into what's going on with that at all? I read into a little bit of it, but it seems to be uh, basically a kind of thing where you put your Pokemon and it's supposed to track your sleep. So like you go to sleep and you, I guess, hit a button or something that says you're going to sleep. And then for however long you sleep, it trains your Pokemon and levels them up, I guess, is the concept. Oh, oh all right. So I'm not sure how it's supposed to specifically work, but yeah, how, the no, longer that, you sleep, the more it trains them. That makes sense. I would imagine it uses the Fitbit technology because Fitbits track when you sleep. So I, I doubt you even have to push a button. I, I'm pretty sure it's it, like, um, like they've done with Pokemon Go to be like, hey, why do we make this game stop tracking your steps when you turn it off? That's a dumb idea. Like, your phone has step trackers built into it. Why don't we give you a benefit for exercising? Like, I think, I think that's kind of genius. Yeah. Let's give kids a benefit for actually sleeping and not staying up all night and playing video games. Oh, yeah. Everybody's, like, been making the jokes that Nintendo's out here single-handedly making everybody have a healthy lifestyle now. Right. And I, I love... Honest... I... Go ahead. Yeah, I honestly think like those health apps that they were supposed to be developing a while back, because I, I remember them saying like Nintendo was supposed to be doing some health something or other. I think that's what those became was these Pokemon AR games. Well, they work. I mean, look at um, look at like you know, I have a Wii Fit, and you know, me and my wife actually got lost a decent amount of weight using it back in the day, but. 
when I look back on it now, the things I liked playing the most on it were things that were more like a game and less like a fitness app. But oh, they yeah. were still, but they were still fitness. Like you know, um, they they had that awesome, and they did a better version of it on We Fit You, where it was like a, it was like a new version of the track and field game with the Nintendo um, game the footpad that they had back in the day, where you actually controlled uh, a platforming game with the Wii Fit, and I'm like this is fantastic. <laughs> like, oh yeah, and 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 I I anytime they can you know dupe you into into working up a sweat. I mean, right. It's, it's the dance dance revolution thing all over again. Oh you know, God. I love I, dance dance revolution. Me too. And I was never good at it, but I kept playing it and I kept getting a workout. My, I've knew so, so many people that were like on the verge of bad news, like early diabetes and everything that just got way into that game and like lost a whole person playing it. Nice. <laughs> Who never would have exercised. You know, and that that was the amazing thing. They never would have done it. And it's like, that's really cool. So you had mentioned Detective Pikachu. What, what did you think of that, of, of that movie? All right. So now keep in mind, I was probably like seven or eight whenever the Pokemon craze kicked in. So I've, I'll, I'll tell you this. Outside of the game for the phone, I've never played a Pokemon game. Ah. And, okay. and, I, and, I, and I would have been like just at the tail end of the target demographic for the original games. I just wasn't playing RPGs at the time, so it didn't catch me. But but I know so many people that are in my age group that were just like, you know, this is like the second coming of Christ as a film. You know, when they heard about it, they're like, oh, God, finally. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. Like, oh, man. Like, All like right. The initial news, whenever it broke, I was like, oh, God. Oh, no, they're not going to do this because... Like, I think I would have dreaded any news about an actual live-action Pokemon film, and then they announced it was Detective Pikachu, and I'm like, oh, God, it's the spin-off game, and not everybody even liked that game to begin with. And, oh, they got Ryan Reynolds, and this just reeks of, like, celebrity stunt casting because he was still hot from Deadpool. Oh, absolutely. Um, but then that first trailer dropped, and the Pokemon looked amazing, and I was like, this is going to work. Oh my god, this is actually going to work. And then I finally saw the movie a few weeks ago and I honestly couldn't have been happier with Me me too. You know, I only have I only have a knowledge of Pokémon again from this game and I have Let's Go Eevee now cuz I have a Switch and I'm like, you know what? I never played the original games. I might as well play this. And I'm in love with it. And and I said to my cousin I'm like, is this at least structure-wise how the original game was? He says, yeah, like you need to go and get it. Like <laughs> you need oh. to play Eevee because it will just, or or Pikachu because it will just show you what you missed. <laughs> oh yeah, let's you know? go Eevee and let's go Pikachu is definitely. Um, I don't want to sound condescending, but it's definitely like baby's first Pokemon. Yeah, more or less. no, and that, and I needed that, like, cause it it. It's fun to play, and I'm way more casual of a gamer than I was when I was younger. So being able to pick up something, and I'm not going to say that I can mindlessly play because it has some complexity to it as far as, you know, baby's first RPG, you know, like mm-hmm. you call it. But it's just fun. Like, my, my daughter sits there and watches me play it and, like, tells me where to go, and she's, like, three and a half. Go yeah. over there. You'll find something over there. And I'm like, all right, this is awesome. And so... So sitting down and seeing this movie, even as a casual 
fan, I sat there the whole time just going, I feel like this movie is just a love letter to people that enjoy this property. And yeah, you can be cynical about that, but I don't want to be cynical about that. Oh. You know, it's like, you know, cause some people are, some people are like, well, you know, it's just a cash grab. I go, dude, it's a product. Everything. The game that this is based on is a, is a cash grab. There's a way to do, um, cash grabs that are at least not being condescending and not being shitty about it. Like the Michael Bay transformers movies are a bad version of something that was just a cynical cash grab. That's all the transformers is. But yeah. then you go and watch something like Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I'm, I don't know if you've seen it yet or not. I just saw it earlier today. It it re- it was like watching Detective Pikachu for me. I go, somebody gets it. Like the people oh, yeah. making this just go, I know what this movie is supposed to be. I'm, there was nothing more or nothing less than it needed to be. And it was a celebration of the people that love these characters. Why not? Oh yeah, and like Detective Pikachu, I re- I really liked because one, there I'm the guy that'll like clue in on like a throwaway line or something and get like a contact high from it because there's a throwaway line about uh, the character of Mewtwo that more or less implies either the game or more specifically the uh, anime storyline is actually happening somewhere. Yes, yes. Uh, because in Pokemon, the first movie, he, like, escapes from the people he was made to fight for and, like, blows up their castle and goes into the wild. And when they mentioned that this was an escape Mewtwo, because I thought that they were, like, I thought they were going to do the thing where this evil corporation made him. And I was like, ah, uh, well, that that rules that out. And I'm like, nope, it doesn't rule them out because this is the escape Mewtwo. Right. And Instead of doing and, – and that's, you know, thinking about it more and, and just hearing you talk about that, it's like this movie is able to be be its own thing but completely inject itself into an existing mythos. But I felt that like, – like my father-in-law went and saw it. My father-in-law has no idea what Pokemon is. But the the woman he's dating, um, they she just likes to go see movies. So he's like, you know what? Screw it. We'll go see this. We both like Ryan Reynolds. And we both know it's based on a video game, so it's going to be silly. He said, I absolutely loved it. He said it was adorable. He said it, you know, it moved quick, like a Saturday morning cartoon. And and I liked that about it. And, you know, when you talk about so many movies feel like they have to explain everything. Like, it's it's the um, Joker is the person who killed Batman's family shtick from the Tim Burton movies. And yeah. The, and the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie making the Kingpin be the person that, you know, killed his family and everything. And it's just like, why do you need to do that? Why can't Mewtwo just be the Mewtwo from the games or from the old movies? And we're just catching up with the story with everybody else now. Like, and, and I love that about it. Oh, yeah. And. Pokemon is incredibly bizarre, and actually the lore behind some of them is very uh, dark. Like in the beginning, uh, whenever they're catching that Cubone, um, and they mention like the fact that it's wearing the skull of its mother or something. Yeah. Yeah, the, the lore behind some of the Pokemon is incredibly dark. Like there is a one Pokemon that's functionally a balloon, but it apparently like just 
acts like a balloon for children and then will drag them off to a different dimension whenever they grab it. Like, oh. like it's, it's like some of them are really dark whenever you look them up. Wow. And then, uh, the, and then they also fill the movie with smaller details, like, uh, the set piece with Charizard and he's trying to say Pikachu and Justice Smith is specifically stomping on the fire on the Charizard's tail because whenever that fire that fire on Charizard is its weak point, basically, and would it would actually die if it goes out, according to the lore. So it's like, that's a wink and a nod for people who know that particular Pokemon. Right, it's a wink. It's a wink and a nod to the people, and a great character bit because it reminds you so much more of how much of a Pokemon nerd Justice Smith's character is. But he's trying so hard to not let you know that, and yeah, I loved he, that. Yeah, he's basically, uh, well, I guess my generation who are just trying to like live their lives and not be kids. And the movie is like, no, it's okay to be kids and still be into this. Like seriously, it's okay. <laughs> Right, that's exactly what I felt about it. It's like this movie is is telling everybody it's okay to like this. Like <laughs> it's it's okay. <laughs> and it's okay that like to take this seriously and also laugh at the silly parts, you know, at the same time, you know. Um it you know what it reminded me a lot of in tone. Have you ever seen Real Steel? Oh yeah, I love Real Steel. It reminded me a lot of that movie because I remember going to see Real Steel and being like, this is going to suck. But for some reason, I want to see it. Like, it, it reminds me of a type of movie they just don't make anymore. And when I got to Real Steel, I was like, wow, there's some real, like, emotional character beats in this. And, like, there's character to the robots, and I care about this. Why? And I and I felt the same thing about this movie. It's like, I, I care about... And then I went and looked up the guy who directed it and wrote it. Or co-wrote it, and it's the guy that did the new, um, the new Goosebumps with Jack Black, not the sequel, but the first one. And I felt the same way watching that movie too. I was a huge Goosebumps fan when I was a kid. So for them to go, oh man, we're making a movie out of this. Oh, and they're doing it like the okay, Jack Black's gonna play the guy that wrote the books, and the books are actually gonna be a thing that he's writing to. Have you, have you seen this movie? I sadly have not seen the uh, All right, Ghost so, Goosebumps movie. So, so without without blowing it, because especially if you like Detective Pikachu, it it has a, a same love and respect for the property. So what they did with the Goosebumps movie is it, it basically was like a, a Joe Dante movie, like the guy that did Gremlins. It's very much set up like one of his movies. Uh. And, and so it's the, you know, um, the parents are weird. The kids are the ones that really know what's going on. Um, but in this thing, the parent is Jack Black playing basically a straight version of what R.L. Stein would be if he was in one of his own books. And okay. the idea behind it is these things he writes actually become real, and he has an incantation that traps them in the stories, and that's why he writes the stories. So this kid like ends up liking his daughter, and they you know get friendly, and the kid, by things that I'll let you see the movie to figure out ends up opening the book and unleashing all of the monsters from the stories. And they have to team up with RL Stein and put them back in. 
And it's like, all right, this so it's just an excuse to see everything. <laughs> you know, yeah. which is very much what Detective Pikachu did. It's like we're gonna find ways that make sense in this story for you to see all the shit you like. Yeah, like <laughs> I I haven't played the Detective Pikachu game, but I do actually like the setup for Rhyme City where it's a city where all the traditional Pokemon stuff is kind of not there, like no Pokemon battles, no gyms, nobody seems to like just have Pokeballs full of Pokemon. And so it's an excuse to have humans interact with the creatures, but also still be friendly and for you to see plenty of them. Yeah. Oh, it was wonderful. And, you know, and like I said, as a, as a casual fan, I'm still sitting there with my wife, like going, oh, look, oh, look, it's Charizard. Oh, look, it's Bulbasaur. Oh, look back there. I think that's a, you know, like we were just having so much fun with it because, oh, yeah. you know, it, and they looked so good. Really that was the did. other thing. The the and and they didn't they weren't just designed well, they were animated well. Like they felt like they were there. Yeah, well, you know, and you, and I liked that. Do you hear about uh one of the people that was working on this uh was an artist uh that was famous for like making those super realistic uh Pokemon designs. Have you ever seen these things? Yes, I have. Yeah, like the like this guy was known for doing that, and they like had brought him on board to basically be in charge of the design of these things. And I think that's, that's part of the reason why they look so good. Because it's like, okay, he knows how these things would probably physically look. So how do we cut that back and make them look more akin to the creatures in the games, but also make them tangible? I I absolutely loved um, the stuff with Mister Mime. Especially because oh, I the read most morbid part of the movie right? in a psychotic way. <laughs> I read um, an interview with the people making the movie, and they said when they had storyboarded that scene, the Pokemon company like held a meeting with them and said, "Are you sure you want to put Mister Mime in this movie?" And they were like, "Oh yeah, we have this really cool scene." And they go, "Yeah, that's really messed up what you wrote there." And also we don't really have any lore to back this character up. We're not really sure what Mr. Mime is, so we're yeah. afraid of what he could become. And they were oh, like, yeah, oh, I what? saw that. Like, like they, uh, I think someone, like, they had asked him, asked the Pokemon company, what is Mr. Mime? And they literally responded, I don't know, basically trying to steer them away from this yeah. Pokemon. Because there were a couple Pokemon in the first generation that were really weird even by like the standards of modern pokemon one of them was mr mime and the other one is one i don't ever expect to see on screen ever and that's jinx if you've ever seen that one. Oh yeah they would definitely have to change some um proportions and color schemes if yeah. they ever put jinx on screen <laughs> yeah i think with like modern episodes of pokemon Ooh. whenever they whenever they uh, bring them over here now if the episode features uh, Jinx, they like color her blue. Yeah, I I did they do that in Let's Go? Uh, I don't even remember. Um, there, there, there isn't a Jinx in a Pokemon. No, in, Go. in Pokemon Go, there is. In oh, the I, game. oh, I haven't. Um, uh, I haven't encountered one, so I actually don't know, and I haven't looked up the sprite. <laughs> yeah, it's th that that game is fun. Um. I like how freaked out everybody got when they did their little April Fool's joke and turned all the uh, sprites for the Pokemon you had into um, Game Boy Color sprites. 
<laughs> and it freaked everybody out because none of the new players could tell what they were anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was wonderful. I guess I don't have a jinx in here. I I must not have saved it. I'm looking at it right now. We're, we'll do it live. Oh, so no, that's no, that's awesome. Um, so, oh yeah, no, Jinx is yeah, Jinx is purple. Yeah, that that seems to be the direction they've gone. I think I've yeah. seen her sprites in some of the modern games, but and it's like purple still now. the the proportions in the mouth, and you just change that color purple back to the original color, and it's hard to um. Hard yeah. to steer away from what stereotype that's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Thanks, Japan. <laughs> um, anyway, no. So, oh man. So what else? I saw. Um, I saw a little funny throwaway right before right before we started uh, recording that you had um, posted uh, how much of a um, throw under the bus uh, Disney giving one of their little uh, singers, Demi Lovato, there in a Dina Menzel song to cover. That oh, made yeah. me laugh my ass off when I saw that. Me me and my wife had the same conversation because she's, she's a huge Adina Menzel fan. And we went and saw her so many times when she released, she released like a, an album of just like songs she wrote um, a few years ago, maybe like five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing her alive and doing that and you know at that time like she'd say oh great you know what's gonna end up happening i'm gonna become a disney princess or something was always the joke and it's like oh that happened but then when she brought the frozen album and she goes wait a minute wait a minute they're having freaking demi lovato cover this song i mean why would you do that to that person (laughs) like honestly why would you do that to any pop star frankly because like i was at the very least, aware of Adina Menzel, and I'm still trying to get my head around the fact that Frozen was like six years ago now. Yeah, that's it, fucking bonkers. It, that that movie it, still daily feels like it just happened yesterday. Yeah, but uh, I was aware of her around that time. Like I knew she was the Defying Gravity lady, and she had uh, been on Glee a couple times because my parents watched Glee a lot, and I just was happened to be in the room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I hear like "Let It Go" get belted out, and then the credits start playing, and they're playing that pop version of "Let It Go" by Demi Lovato, and I've just thought kind of the same thing every, like every so often. I'm just like, why would you do that to that person? Like that's that's not a fun thing to be compared to. <laughs> right. It, it, exactly. It's like I mean, your your producers are supposed to take care of you. Like, you know, not like, oh, hey, hey, guess what? What do you remember about this song? You remember that the other version was better. That's like the only. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's... It's, like, it's like I know the pop version is like supposed to be like the radio broadcast version. But the problem with like the Disney anthems, whenever they do that, especially now, is that the one that's actually in the movie tends to have the better vocalist and is the better version. And it's the one they end up playing on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just, it's Disney's weird, man. Uh, or at least the way albums like that get produced is weird is probably more like it. It's funny. I've, I've gone with my wife to see her perform a couple of times. Just again, she does solo tours and every t- time she does let it go, she'll never finish the song, which I think is awesome. 
she'll get like she'll get like halfway through it and then like mix a cover of Give It Away by the Red Hot Chili Peppers into it. Nice. <laughs> and I'm like, this is awesome. Like she just hates this song. It's wonderful. That that's that's amazing. Yeah, honestly, it's pretty I, I, have, cool. I have a theory about like why Frozen exploded that way, and it because it was basically like a Renaissance era Disney movie. But it was the first one of like Lion King or Beauty and the Beast caliber to happen in a post-internet, post-social media world. When yes. you think about it, because yes. like they they had Princess and the Frog and Tangled, and while they had good music, it wasn't they didn't have quite as many uh, belters or memorable tunes from those two. And Disney still hadn't quite gotten its uh, zeitgeist mojo back. And then Frozen happened. And it was like a pressure valve finally got released for the internet and it exploded everywhere. Well, and it was interesting because they like we were in New York with my cousin and they have a really awesome Disney store in Times Square. And so. About a year and a half before Frozen came out is when the ads started coming out for it and Disney, whether or not someone within Disney was just a genius and decided to advertise this movie by not telling you anything about it, or they had absolutely no hope for it. I'm thinking it's a little bit of the latter. I think they were kind of worried about it, and I don't know why. Do you know what I mean? But if you remember the original ads, it was Olaf and the Reindeer, like being cute. And there was nothing else about the movie. We went to the Disney store. All they had for sale was Olaf and the Reindeer. We're like, oh, that's that Disney movie coming out that has the disinteresting trailer with the snowman and the reindeer being goofy. And then it ended up getting this, you know, rumbling word of mouth that it was something other than that. And yeah, it just it took off. Like, and I remember my brother going to see it in a critic screening and calling me and going this this Disney movie that's coming out is the real deal. And I'm like, which one? He goes, Frozen. They go, the one about the reindeer and the snowman. He goes, no, 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 dude. He goes, it's at the same time a perfect example of what they were classically able to do, but also a subversion of all of that at the same time. And I went, that's ballsy. Okay, I want to see that movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's still going strong. Um because I recently played through Kingdom Hearts 3. Awesome. And I haven't have, played it yet. They have uh, Arendelle as a world in there. Nice. And uh, it's one of the worlds that follows the movie story. But you only, you're like a background detail instead of actively taking part. And one of the details you end up coming on is when... Elsa sings Let It Go, and they animated the whole sequence in the game. Nice. Good for them. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. Do, uh, do, do what makes you the money. That's, that's, that's Disney. Those Kingdom Hearts games are weird. I love oh. them. Oh, they're weird, and I love them, and I really want the next Kingdom Hearts game to get here already. <laughs> that's awesome. And my, I have a co-worker who... Um, he he goes he goes oh, we were really busy and he goes all right I really have to take um I forget what day it was now but it was the day after um that game came out 
and mm-hmm. he's like, I, re- I really need to take this day off. And I'm like, yeah, dude, it's fine. He goes, no, it's, it's, it's imperative. It is very important <laughs> that I have this day off. And I go, and I, and I go back to my desk and I'm thinking, and I type in the date and I go back to him and I go, you can level with me. You're taking it off to play Kingdom Hearts, aren't you? He goes, yes, I need to. And I was like, dude, it's fine. And he came in after it and he goes, I beat it. It's like in one day, he goes, yes, I didn't sleep. Like, oh, oh, my, my God. God. Yeah, I I powered through the I powered through the game and I couldn't do it that fast. Oh, he was he was primed and ready, it would seem. Oh yeah, and that that series is so bizarre, especially because like some of the games have actually gotten like major voice talent to voice their characters. Like one of the primary characters in two was voiced by Christopher Lee. Right? And uh the main villain of the entire thing uh, was actually voiced by Leonard Nimoy, who unfortunately yep. uh, passed before this game was made, so they had to replace him, sadly. That's a hard set of shoes to fill. Damn. And I, I felt sorry for the guy because they didn't... It, it looked like the guy's performance is good, but they didn't even try to get a sound-alike for him. Right. Which is weird because they actually got like good sound alikes for Tim Allen and Tom Hanks for like Buzz and Woody and John Goodman for Sully. When do you think with with the Disney um, monopoly the way that it's going and especially with Detective Pikachu doing well now, um, the Mario movie, no matter how bad it might end up being. Oh, God, I hope it's not bad, but. I I've liked maybe two movies the Illumination folks have made, and I just don't think it's right. They're right for Mario, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. But but whatever. It'll probably that movie will, will probably make a killing, and this Sonic movie will probably make a killing. Even though oh god oh god oh god. Um. But uh, when do you think Disney um. Kingdom Hearts it. When, when do you think they go and try to adapt that? Whether they do it as like a Disney Plus miniseries or whatever. Because they I, own it all, man. Like, I don't know. I feel like... Because um, Kingdom Hearts was kind of weird. Because it came into existence, like I think, around the tail end of Disney being super prominent. Uh, and so they kind of just did... like occupied their own little space and now they've had the first major release of a game where disney is king of everything right uh, so i don't know if they'll ever try and make a movie i kind of hope they do like i kind of hope uh, there's a post credit scene in frozen 2 that it just like cuts to a mountain range <laughs> and it's just like someone from organization 13, like wearing those black cloaks with like the silver things dangling. Like it's just a guy wearing one of those cloaks standing on a cliff. Like they don't Wouldn't have it... to say a word or do anything. Just have one of those guys be there. Or they just like uncover a keyblade somewhere, you know, oh, yeah. like, oh man, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. That's actually what I'm hoping like kind of at least happens with the future games is that they actually give uh, the Disney characters themselves, like, especially the princess characters that are more popular, Keyblades. Yeah, that would be amazing. Because uh, they made one of the main characters in that series, the wizard from the Sorcerer's Apprentice bit in Fantasia. Yep. And he is like an ex-Keyblade master. 
but they say X Master, so he never actually takes one out. And I was like, oh, you could have had him bring it out in this game. Yeah, that would be. It would just I. They haven't gone bonkers in a long time. Like you know, when's the last time? Well, I mean, we know when the last time it was, but you know, like I could see a Kingdom Hearts movie being like as bug nuts as Fantasia. You know, oh, just yeah. like. Just like, hey, okay, so we just let the animators drop acid, and here you go. Oh, honestly, (laughs) if I I were doing a Kingdom Hearts movie, I would, uh, it'd be expensive as all hell, probably, but I would uh, do, like, Mary Poppins, where you have, like, the main, like, like, the main Sora and all them crew be uh, IRL people. And then yes. whenever they go to the Disney worlds, they're still like that. But the world around is them is animated. But like animated like the worlds for the movie that they're in. So if it yeah. goes to 2D, we do 2D animation. If it exactly. goes to Frozen. Oh, yeah. It, it, dude, so now I want to make that movie. Like, I wish we had money. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> that yeah. Would, that yeah, would be I, fun. I wish I had money or the time because I would totally do that would it be good probably not but it'd be fun as hell <laughs> i mean yeah there's there's you know it's not like the narrative um makes any sense so why oh, not no, just like, go and have fun like i'm it? the guy who will stand for the uh kingdom hearts lore any day of the week even though it's convoluted as hell because for oh, whatever reason nice. my, my mind takes to convoluted lore like nobody's business like kingdom hearts or even the naruto lore I'm like, no, this all makes total and complete sense, and it's not convoluted at all. You got, you guys are just slow. <laughs> no, but, that's uh, that's the way I felt about the original Kingdom Hearts. It's the only game in the series I've played through in its entirety, and um, man, I just remember sitting there going, "Is this gonna stop being weird?" <laughs> and it just doesn't. I'm like, I and, love this. And the Let's funny part game. is, that's the most normal one out of all of them. Yeah, of course, I've. I've read synopses of the other ones, and I'm like, man, they just really trusted in their fans that they were going to go along with this. <laughs> yeah, like like Kingdom Hearts 3D, it uh, introduces time travel, but they have to. But it's like a special kind of Kingdom Hearts time travel, where you like leave your your heart leaves your body and then becomes like an <laughs> apparition in the future and past, and then you can return, like you can do stuff like back to the future and mess stuff up but you return to your present date and you don't have any memories and that's kind of the working premise of the climax of three is that there's hearts from different points in time all traveled to this future and these people basically had androids waiting to put these hearts in so that they would take on the shape of the character and Like, one of the hearts is, like, when Riku briefly goes evil in Kingdom Hearts, the first one. Like, that one goes to the future, and you fight, like, a young evil Riku. <laughs> Jesus. It's it's so bonkers, but I so love it so much. <laughs> so, um, with... <laughs> I just love this stuff. Um, what, um... What's the first, like, anime that you really got into? Oh, that's easy. It's got to be uh, both Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon from the original Toonami block. Like, there, you, there you go. <laughs> like, like, Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z 
always have and always will stand those shows in any and, context. Oh, of course. D- do you did you ever catch there was a while where um before it was on Toonami, so this might have been before you were, were watching one of the um one of the channels was either the, the ABCs or the um WLVI 56 or whatever one of those first 10 channels that would do um they do like beast wars and and um beast wars and reboot in the morning and then in the afternoon they'd run either an episode of dragon ball z or dragon ball and they were running them narrative straight so you'd go like one day a week you'd get an episode of one of the two of them Mm-hmm. And so, and and me and my brother were catching it, and I'm like, "Are these the same show?" Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like I'm following the narrative, and they were structurally kind of similar. So it's like it, it got really confusing because it's like I don't yeah, know the, what the, happened in which one. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever really saw that. I know that uh, I think it was the Ocean Group originally had the dubbing rights. Um, which they're the ones that had Goku with kind of a much more nasally voice. Yep. Um, and that was before Funimation took over. But Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball's history in the West is really bizarre because Dragon Ball Z, whenever Funimation got the rights and it started broadcasting on Toonami, that like sent that block through the roof. Yes, it and did. I don't think it was until like maybe midway through the Cell Saga that they actually started airing Dragon Ball. Just the first, like, they almost aired most of Dragon Ball Z before they even bothered, like, trying to get uh, Dragon Ball aired. (laughs) Oh, man, because if you think Dragon Ball Z is a trip, (laughs) watch Dragon Ball. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Dragon Ball is, (laughs) it's amazing. Oh, it really is. So it's funny, I, I had a, I, those were definitely the first shows that I watched, um, when I was older, but I had, I had brought up something on, a, I think Geeks with the Shields when I was on them is, uh, you know, we did a Gone But Not Forgotten episode. There was this show on Nickelodeon, so Nickelodeon for a while, when I was eight, or nine so in the like late 80s early 90s type of they had bought up a few random animes and were just airing them and they were airing them like in the afternoon you know on like a saturday or Mm -hmm. something and i found this show the the mystical lost cities of gold i think is what it was called and it it was interesting the more I read into it because Japan didn't normally do TV shows that were about lore of other cultures. Um, and so this show was a show with predominantly, you know, very Japanese bent characters, but they were in South America chasing around Aztec ruins. Like it was very weird and um, I remember watching this show and loving it and had forgotten about it. And it took YouTube to exist again for <laughs> me to re to re- to exist in the first place for me to refine it. But so that was when I was really young. But then, you know, like 13, 14 years old, I, uh, you know, had gotten turned on to movies that I had no right watching at 13 or 14 years old. But <laughs> uh, um, Akira, Ninja Scroll, Raujan Z, 
you know, all these things, um, the entire Miyazaki library, which, you know, is much more okay for a 13 year old. Oh yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, you know, and, and so, and then at the same time, Dragon Ball, you know, it all it kind of, and it's just, it's amazing how wonderful all of that was. And I loved consuming it when it was less normal. You know, when you had to like go and find a dusty box set in the back room of a Suncoast video because no one's going to buy this. Just Funimation sent us a bunch of it. And then two years later, they can't keep them on the shelves. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember there was an there was like an advertisement uh, that Toonami had, I think, partway whenever they were in the Majin Buu saga for Dragon Ball Z. And it was uh, like, and it was some and it was something like. 27 million fans can't be wrong. Dragon Ball Z, 6 p. Like, they were just bragging <laughs> about their ratings for Dragon Ball Z. Like, that was it. And I was like, you don't I remember see that. shows flex like that anymore. And that's kind of awesome. Exactly. It's like they, they just, they hit the lottery on that one. You oh, know? Yeah. And honestly, I think one of their secret weapons, which I'm not sure anybody will admit it, was... Uh, the Bruce Faulkner music, which in all the re-releases, I think it's the original Japanese uh, tracks, which kind of makes me sad because Bruce Faulkner's music in that with those like guitar riffs or such and such was really awesome. Yeah, it actually really was. And it fit it fit the dubs really well. Yeah, like, it, it just it just fit the vocal stylings of the characters. It. Oh yeah, I I think it honestly fits the show better than like the orchestral stuff they usually used for uh, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Like I still have that guy's uh, theme for the Super Saiyan three transformation on my iPod. Nice. Did you? No, I haven't seen it. But did you? Did you go and see um, Super Broly when it came out? Uh, I actually have not. Um, there were there were a few theaters that were showing. I can't remember if it, life was happening at that point or whatever, and I couldn't make time. But I then, like, almost immediately around that time, everything with a Vic Mignogna happened, and I just kind of, like, lost a desire to go see it. Yeah, and, okay, okay. And, and I have also haven't really dug into Dragon Ball Super yet. I was kind of letting it finish its run before I just binge it all. So I was like, gotcha. yeah, I also, I also don't want to spoil myself. So I'm just going to like binge all this and then I'll watch Super Broly. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't seen anything from Super, but um, it, I got to say it was, it was really cool to see a young generation. You know, th th there was, these were probably like 16, 17 year old kids in the bathroom at the theater, I was with my brother. We were seeing Infinity War, I think. And it was a pre-screening, you know. And so I'm there, and I hear these people geeking out in the bathroom. Like, oh, they must have just got out of the screening of Infinity War I was in. And then I hear them talking. They're talking like I remember talking with my friends about Dragon Ball, you know. And then and then this happened, and then there was an explosion. And he, like, stood there in the air looking at him and was like, you know. And it just waited for, like, 15 minutes. And, like, and they were just completely just eating it up. And I'm like... This is this is going to go on for a long time. Like that you know this is awesome. This it, it oh, makes yeah. me happy that it doesn't that the, the the geek stuff doesn't seem to die anymore with the generations that consumed it. You know like um you know we you know we've only had movies and this stuff you know for a short period of time and it's really cool to be able to pass it on. 
and to have it not just be a oh it, it, I like this because we had nothing else. You know, it's not like oh the you know the the stick that you know you you draw in the mud with because you were bored. It's like no this even in the like you know the generation of kids with cell phones and shit in front of their hands all the time you know joke that they make all the time and everything can still sit down and love dragon ball or love um akira or anything as much as i did and that makes me really happy (laughs) oh yeah and it's and it's kind of amazing because anime has really been has always had like a weird relationship with the pop culture of america because the way I think about it, like, my high school years was when I was super big into anime. Yep. So this is like uh, 06 to 2010. So this is yep. also before the big streaming boom. But there was a streaming boom. It was just for anime, and it was all technically illegal. Yep. Like, <laughs> like now you have Crunchyroll and Funimation, but back then it was like... Just these random sites that would have so much anime all dubbed by fans and actually, oh, not dubbed, but subbed by fans and actually subbed pretty well. And like that would be my thing. And like sometimes, and even now, you still don't get like really offbeat shows. Like I bought a show a while back off of a like manga entertainment site or something called Black Rock Shooter. It's like an eight episode show, basically, think. What if Inside Out, but Power Rangers? Um, and, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I need to watch it now. And <laughs> you, you want to talk weird history. That, that show is weird. But it was only released officially in, like, the UK in a subdiversion, but never over here. So I had to import it, but it's region locked to region two, and I don't have any, like, region-free Blu-ray players, so I can't even see it. And none of the official streaming sites, like Ver, Funimation, Crunchyroll, even have it. Wow. So so it's like you're—so I still imagine, like, these illicit, like, streaming anime sites are still pretty big because they still, like, have stuff like that on there, like, that none of these companies are ever going to pick up or distribute anywhere. <laughs> Right, and if they do, it's going to be some company that's trying to get a foot up on somebody else, right? It's going to be the next, like, person to come in and try to take some of Netflix's steam and be like, hey, we have, like, you know, these 20 animes that no one's ever heard of, and they're going to try to build off that fan base and probably fail. But um, you never know. They could end up being, like, uh, adults, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Toonami, and just exploding. Yeah, and, like, Black Rock Shooter, I... That show is so weird because it started out from a song. Jesus. Like, uh, you've heard of Hatsune Miku, I imagine? So some group called Supercell, like, who just wrote music using her program, one of their designers had a bunch of characters. And I guess their lead songwriter, someone went up to him and was like, I really like that character. Let's write a song about her. They did it took off, and then it spawned, like, a manga, a 50-minute OVA with a completely different lore, and then an eight-episode anime series and a PSP video game. Nice. Oh, oh. PSP. Rest in peace. I yeah, loved the, my PSP. Yeah, I only ever really got it for one game, and that was uh, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, of all things. <laughs> yep. Yep. I had... Uh, 
What did I get? You know what actually was wonderful on that system? And it's forgotten in the history of forgotten things. They made a rock band game for that. Now, for for people that don't know the history of the company that made Rock Band, that might sound a little strange. Have you ever heard of the Rock Band game they made for PSP? I have not. This is so, I'm fascinated. So the company that made Rock Band is a company called Harmonix. They're out of Boston, Massachusetts. Right. And they still make games. Um, I mean, they, they had a Rock Band 4 like a year ago, but they their games that make them the most money still are Dance Central, which was the, uh, um, it was the uh, Just Dance um, competitor, but for specifically for the uh, Xbox, um, we're going to steal your information, um, stereoscopic thing. What was that called? The the oh, Xbox the camera. The Kinect, yeah. And the yeah. game worked great, you know, but and that's what made them money because everybody wanted to connect. Um, and now it's on, you know, the, the Switch and everything else, I believe. But uh, they also make this, like, card-based mixing game, which you can buy at Best Buy and other places I saw, where it's like you buy tracks, but they go into, like, a, a mixer and like there's a video game involved but there's no screen i don't really know what it is but it sounds fascinating and i guess that makes a lot of money but back to why in the world they ever would have thought of making a rock band game for a system that doesn't have the ability to hook instruments up to it um they made two playstation 2 like year one and two titles called amplitude and frequency and i believe frequency was first and amplitude was second and the way these games worked is they got, you know, clever remixes of popular songs mm-hmm. and set each part of the song to a track very similar to Rock Band or Guitar Hero. So moving forward on the screen and you had to hit a certain amount of button combinations on the controller that were tied to different dots like the colored things on guitar hero or rock band on the screen and once you hit a certain amount of them in a row it would turn that track on so the idea of the game was you had to keep jumping back and forth between drums synth vocals bass um and if you kept it going you'd keep the whole song playing and you got more points for how long the whole song was playing and it was insanely difficult and incredibly fun and um I used to like have parties, you know, where we just sit there and play this game. So then I heard they were making a guitar peripheral game and I played that and I fell in love with it. And that was Guitar Hero. And they made Guitar Hero 1 and 2 and then Activision Mm -hmm. fired them when they said they wanted to add other instruments to it. They went off on their own and made Rock Band. And then Activision decided, shit, this is going to do well. And Activision made their own crappy version of it with the rest of the Guitar Hero games. And then we got to that starting to die down. And so they said, you know, market. <laughs> yeah. And they would say, you know, it would be really clever if we rebranded Amplitude as a rock band game and did it for the PSP. So it was just the game Amplitude but reskinned to look like Rock Band using the songs from Rock Band 1 and 2. And you'd jump around, you know, and keep all the tracks moving. But it was played just like Amplitude. And, oh. and it's like, all right, this is... And I loved it. I couldn't stop playing it. I was like, this is... Because it was the combination of the two things I loved so much. 
you know, it had the aesthetic of Rock Band, but it was the gameplay of Amplitude. And it's like, all right, that's really cool. So if you never knew of it, um, it was a fantastic game, and maybe they have it emulated or something on, on Steam or something now. I have no idea. But because um, that could work really well with keyboard strokes, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> that That is... Yeah, I'm looking at this now. That is quite something. <laughs> and it it took a lot of skill. It took a ton of skill. Oh play. yeah, that's that that's why I was that's why the only rhythm game I was ever really good at was like Dance Dance Revolution cuz uh at one point in my life I was super coordinated at least with my feet. Yeah, and and again every <laughs> if if you can keep a beat and da- you know what I mean there's you can kind of like when you get any game like that, right? Like with amplitude, frequency, dance, dance, revolution, guitar hero, it's no longer playing. You're not thinking anymore. You know what I mean? It's just, this is just muscle memory at this point. Like I'm, you have to move quicker than you can actually think. So you just know the beat already. And I know that's where my foot's going to go. That's about it. And oh, yeah. uh, cause I watched people, did you ever double pad DDR? Oh, uh, never. I never did the arcade one, and we had, like, just a couple of dance pads at our house, and they were not yeah. suited for doing the double pad thing. No, My, I, my I... roommate, my roommate <laughs> in college had arcade-quality home pads for his PlayStation 2 version of the game, and he would double pad that game. And it was the most terrifying thing I've ever seen because this guy was not a coordinated individual. <laughs> but when he played this game, it, it was like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> like, how did you get so good at this damn thing? Yeah, I think out of our crew, because like you said, you had parties with that one game. Well, back where I actually used to live in New Mexico, uh, when Dance Dance Revolution was huge, Um We'd just have a bunch of the family friends over at our house, and we'd set up the PS2 in the living room, and we had just two Dance Dance Revolution games, and the one we mostly played was the uh, Disney Mix one that they had. So it was like a bunch of these songs, but they're like Euro, Euro techno. And I ended up being like the best person at that particular game. And the funny thing was, like, we'd have two people on the mats playing the game, but, like, behind them, the entire room would be doing it. <laughs> that's awesome. See, and that's that's what I always loved. You know, you'd go out to, um, there was an arcade called Fun World, um, which is probably just full of tetanus and bad decisions, but um, it was up in Nashua, New Hampshire, and we would go, because it was the only place in the area that still had an arcade, and we'd go and play DDR up there. And it's like you'd have a group of people and everybody would be standing behind the two people playing, doing all the moves. It's like we yes. all know this. We all know how this goes. And I'm like, this is so cool. We look like complete nerds and I love it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, it's we, we've been going about an hour and 15 minutes. Um, so I, I'm going to try to start wrapping this up to you. I, I, again, like I said, this is your show. Um, you know, I'm just giving you a conduit to the world, as it were. And I'm, I'm really enjoying talking to you, so I hope you're enjoying talking to me. Um, is there anything, any other topic you were hoping to get to um, before I start wrapping up? Um, 
I think there was like only one. It was because I was listening to your uh, podcast with uh, Matt Lynch from the Scarecrow video. Oh, Matt Lynch is awesome. Yeah, um, you guys just got me thinking about. Uh, this, this is just going to be a quick thing oh, no, of dude, like why no, why no, they're <laughs> why why I like what they do and why that kind of thing is so important. Um, and everybody else in the world needs to get on board with it is media preservation because in a few uh weeks uh i'm not sure if you know but netflix is actually going to be streaming neon genesis evangelion oh i know yeah (laughs) i cannot wait to put myself through that again oh yeah well they've (laughs) apparently completely redubbed it um which i i don't blame it's one of those shows that has been off the air but it uh brought to mind that i actually have the original uh series like i have a collected edition of the original dub of the series and i had bought it just before they announced it was going out of print because it actually has not been like legally available to the west for like a decade if not more now yep Yep. because the company that distributed it went under and nobody bought the rights to distribute it so the only way you could do it was basically illegal streaming more or less here so i'm glad like netflix is doing that kind of thing but it just goes to show that uh other companies need to actually get on this kind of preservation of some of these more offbeat titles like and like Distribution companies like Funimation and Viz need to make sure that weird anime titles are available to uh, the public better, especially like cult classics and outright classics like Evangelion. And I agree, and they need to make them available in a way where they they can't just randomly go away. Yeah, like that's that's the thing. I I loved Matt's thought process on how streaming you know he's not going to be that kind of guy that's going to sit around with his physical movies and go oh streaming it's ruining it because streaming is making it so people can see it you know that's that's a wonderful thing but the thing that's always bothered me with streaming and the thing that bothers me even about the games that i've bought on my switch digital only is that if they didn't want me to have that anymore they could just make it so i can't have it anymore and yeah. I I don't want that. Like, I want to own it, and then our transaction is done now. <laughs> you know, this is mine. I have it forever, or until the disc stops playing. You know, and I I think Bob and I actually have um, those same, just before they went out of print, Evangelion, because that, that was one of my last real sit-down-and-consume, like, deep, hard anime shows with we just sat down and took that in and man what a freaking mind fuck that show was oh yeah <laughs> and like i was in a place called half price books the other day which like they mostly deal in used um basically anything you can imagine and i saw in one of the display cases because they have some of the more expensive stuff behind these display cases a uh, it was a different collection than mine, but it was still a collection of Evangelion, and it was three hundred dollars. <laughs> Jesus! And and I was like, this is second, this is like second hand used, 
and this is $300 because you can't find this series anywhere anymore. Wow. Oh, man. Evangelion. <laughs> That's going to be a trip. So, yeah, um, so I guess we could say that both of us would like to say to the world, hey, preserve your crap. Um, yes. <laughs> especially video games and anime because they are not handled well. Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with that, um, I sent you some quotes. I don't know if you've listened to the episodes where I've – I think I've done it twice now, and I think only one of them is aired, where um, I, I play with all my guests to help promote it because it's a, a movie game me and my friend concocted at work, and people have contributed it to it and kind of like it, and I'm hoping someday to actually sell it. So okay. you guys are my guinea you guys are my guinea pigs. <laughs> okay. Um, but um it's called Right Quote Wrong Movie. Um and the idea is have you ever played Cards Against Humanity? I love Cards Against Humanity. All right, so it's similar in play to that. You have a hand of ten cards, I have a hand of ten cards. Um outside of me hitting the random number generator and then copy and pasting your quotes into your email. I don't know what your quotes are. Um, but it's more that we're just going to have some fun because just like cards against humanity, it's based on who you're playing with. Right. right. So we got to know, we got to know each other a little bit here, but you know, I'm going to draw three cards and we're going to try to make each other laugh is what it really just comes down to. Okay. Um, as an example, my favorite quote in right quote, wrong movie that I've been able to come up with um, when it was the first day, me and my friend talked about it and he said, okay, right quote, wrong movie. What would you do for, if someone asks if you're a god, you say yes from Ghostbusters. And I said, easy, Passion of the Christ. <laughs> and it's just, just – so that's kind of the idea. So um, you have your ten quotes. I have mine. And the movie for round one, which is also randomly generated and picked from my list of 200 movies and quotes right now and growing, is Psycho, the Alfred Hitchcock classic. Okay. So um, – you get to go first. Of your ten quotes, what do you think the best right quote, wrong movie for Psycho would be? Let me see here. Okay. Do, 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 I got do, I got do. one. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the way you lose control and turn into an enormous green rage monster. Excellent. The Avengers. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I'm, um, let's see. From Ginger Snaps, I get this ache, and I, I thought it was for sex, but it's to tear everything to fucking pieces. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I think so, you got me there. <laughs> you think? Okay, cool. So round one goes to me. All right. Round two, the Stephen King, Kathy Bates classic, Misery. Okay. Do, 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 do. Ah, here we go. Uh, you play a good game, boy, but the game is finished. Now, you die. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, man. I'm not sure I'm going to come up with a better one than that. So I'll throw out, it's been a funny sort of day, hasn't it? Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> I think you get that one. <laughs> okay. All right. And the last round, the Disney classic Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, boy. 
Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Damn, we're in a tight spot. <laughs> oh, brother, where are thou? <laughs> One of my favorite quotes from that movie. Oh, man. <laughs> Damn, we're in a tight spot. Damn, we're in a tight spot. I'm the goddamn paraphernalias. Um, <laughs> let's see. I'm not sure how it would fit with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, but we don't need a stretcher in there. We need a mop from Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, I'm again. I'm more partial to yours on that one. Damn, we're in a tight spot. So yeah, that's 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 right. Quote wrong movie. What do you think of it? I think it's a game I could get behind. Definitely. Nice. Nice. I have to watch more movies that. though. Oh, yeah, no, and again, it's all about the group and throwing things out, you know. <laughs> I, I really wanted to use this quote from Slither that I had on here. If I weren't about to shit in my pants right now, I'd be fucking fascinated. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it didn't work for any of them. Um, nice. So, yeah, um, so, you know, uh, that brings us to, to a close. Um, Ryan, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on, and I'd love to have you on again. Um, maybe after... Uh, I don't know. They announced the Kingdom Hearts movie. No, I don't know. But if uh, if you if you again, we we could probably talk for hours on anything. So I, I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, definitely. It's been a real pleasure being on this. <laughs> awesome. Um. So until next time, thank you, Ryan, for shooting the shit with Chippa, and thank you guys for listening. And um, we'll see you all again soon. All, all right. right.